everyone. Welcome back to Well Then, a podcast where we talk about all things wellness and putting your health first. I'm your host, Megan Scherer, and today you are tuning in to episode two, day two, in a very special series on my podcast, all about breast implant illness and women who have elected to get their implants removed. Today's guest is a really special one to help set the stage for the rest of this week and give you a little bit more context on breast implant illness from a professional's perspective. So today we're bringing on the show Dr. Kai Morimoto. She is a board-certified plastic surgeon and has been practicing in Spokane, Washington since 2004. She remains at the forefront of the latest trends in plastic surgery through continuing medical education courses and constant medical journal research. She is often referenced in online forums and has been interviewed and quoted in reference to breast implant illness and on-block total capsulectomy procedures. Dr. Kai is coming on the show today to share with you more about her personal experience as a board-certified plastic surgeon in working with women who've experienced breast implant illness and getting their implants removed and what that process looks like. All right. Hi, Dr. Morimoto. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm really excited to have you on. Hi, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, as our listeners know, we're, we're talking today primarily about breast implant illness and the different reasons why women might choose to have their breast implants removed. So I'd love to just dive right in and, and you know, get some definitions out on the table. So can you explain for our listeners, what is breast implant illness and what are some of the symptoms? How does it occur? And, and why do some women get it and others don't? Um, okay. <clears throat> So uh, breast implant illness, it's, um, I don't know, I guess a relatively new term um, to me that I've only begun hearing about maybe in the last year or so. Uh, It's not really an an official medical diagnosis, but um, it's it's basically women who, um, no men yet, women with breast implants who um, uh, after several months, several years, they begin to develop um, different symptoms that they believe are related to their breast implants. And uh, often after these women get their implants removed, uh, a lot of these symptoms will go away. Sometimes not all of them, but it helps to kind of sift out, you know, um, your symptoms and what may be related to their implants and what might not be. Um, as far as the symptoms, I've seen so many different symptoms, um, you know, everything from like fatigue and depression, anxiety, sometimes skin rashes, hair loss, um, joint pain, muscle pain, um, gosh, there must be over a hundred different symptoms that I've seen patients present with. And, um, it just kind of varies for the different person. Um, but for a lot of the women, once the implants come out, their symptoms go away. Some rather quickly. Um, some that have had like chest pain or difficulty breathing, they'll start noticing a difference as soon as um, the time when they wake up in recovery. Wow, that <laughs> um, soon. They'll start. Yes, I've had three women kind of freak out a little bit because they felt like they were getting too much air, you know, in <laughs> recovery, and which. It was it was kind of cute, but um, you know he said no, you know you're you're fine, everything's fine. But 
they were just like, oh my gosh, I can just like get so much air and, and so it is fine. But I have a lot of women with um, like chronic joint swelling, you know, where they couldn't wear their rings, you know, and they'll come back on their first post-op visit and this kind of, you know, flash me their rings because now their joint swelling has gone down. And no, it's not all just um, patients saying this, but I've had several that, you know, have rheumatologists on board and, and their, their lab values have, you know, improved and they've gone without their you know, IV treatments that they depended on for, for years and they can space it out by, you know, weeks or months longer than they were used to getting before, if that makes sense. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So that was going to be one of my questions is have you personally been able to witness these changes in your patient's health or their outlook when they remove their implants? And it sounds like definitely yes. Oh yeah. Time and time again. And, um, you know, it, it, I, I probably been seeing, um, patients with breast implant illness, you know, for way longer than, you know, this past year or so that it first had a, a name or at least a name that I was aware of, <clears throat> but yeah, I've seen people get better and, you know, and it's not just the patient saying they get better, but it's the family members saying, you know, oh my gosh, my wife or my, my daughter, my mom, you know, whoever they're like, you know, thank you for giving them back to me because they can wow. see the changes. So, and now physicians are becoming more aware, you know, and they're, I've had other you know, family practice docs, rheumatologists and, um, internal medicine doctors, you know, saying, hey, you know, your symptoms might be, you know, related to breast implant illness. You should go see, you know, Dr. Morimoto or, you know, or whoever. And uh, so they're, they're beginning to be more accepting as they're seeing changes in their patients as well. Mm, that is so great. Yeah. And like you said, like, it's, there's so many different symptoms that women can experience and it's, it's such a large cluster that every woman, every woman will experience symptoms in a different way. Um, and it's not necessarily like one specific, you know, if you have these three things, then you definitely have breast implant illness. It's, it's a little bit more vague. And so as, as a physician, I'm sure it's, um, you have to be more diligent about looking for it. Exactly. And, yeah, and everybody just kind of expresses it in a different way. I've, I've had um, three patients with um, rashes that, you know, couldn't be um, cured. You know, they've, they've been to multiple dermatologists, you know, and the rashes, which is uh, keep um, being present despite whatever they try to do to cure it. And they only got better after the implants came out. Wow. It makes so, it hard to explain, like, why yeah. is it, you know, what's causing it? Right. And so I know you mentioned, like, this is a relatively new area of focus or area of, a, of study. So do we know, like, scientifically, biologically, how it occurs and, and why some women get it and others don't? There, there really is not a lot of research out there to, you know, I, I'm hopeful that, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm hopeful that, you know, there's research going on now. I I kind of collect my own patient data, but um, I think as more and more women come forward, um, you know, there'll be more opportunity to gather information and mm-hmm. figure out what's going on. Is it, you know, is it like a, do these women have a, like, predisposition to, like, developing these things, and when the you know, body sees the implant and it, it turns um, 
get different processes on that would cause the symptoms or um, I mean, I don't know. It's hard yeah. to say. I mean, there's already a natural tendency, you know, when you put something foreign into your body that your body wants to protect you from it. So it develops right. a scar tissue around it to wall it off. Um, and maybe that process just kind of gets exaggerated in certain people or, um, but then again, you know, some women can have implants for you know, 10, 20 years and never have any problems. And then then there's just some trigger and then they start to develop these symptoms. Yeah, I have heard of a lot of women, you know, they've had implants for years and years and they were fine. And then all of a sudden they were in a car accident or they went through a divorce or some sort of traumatic event that then they started experiencing all these symptoms. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's very Menopause, very childbirth. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's very interesting. Right. And that can obviously make it difficult to pinpoint that the implants were the problem because you would assume like, oh, no, like I was fine for years. And it seems like this one event was the problem. But really, that event was just the trigger for your body to have this really strong inflammatory response. Um, and, and removing the implants might be your very best chance at, at getting healthier. Exactly. And I always tell my patients that you know, because there's no research, um, I can only go off of what I've seen with my own mm-hmm. patients. Um, you know, they, there's no guarantee that all of their symptoms will go away or even that, you know, one symptom. But for m- the majority of women, you know, most of their symptoms do go away, but at least it's a way to kind of sift through, um, you know, their symptoms and you can get rid of the ones that are caused by the, the implants and yeah. then deal with the ones that are left over medically sure it's nice to get rid of that variable of the implant and the capsule yeah okay so along those lines can you explain the difference between an on block or total capsulectomy versus just like a standard implant removal and what the implications are of each yeah um so um most most women with breast implant illness they come in requesting an m block um implant removal which is basically i take out the implant and the entire capsule, which is a scar tissue that develops around the implant um, as one. So they're together, the, the capsule is completely intact and it surrounds the implant. So it requires making a slightly bigger scar in order to deliver that out of the body. Um, but that way, any um, you know, silicone, um, chemicals, bacteria, fungus, whatever might be between the, the capsule and the implant, it all comes out. It doesn't get exposed to the body. Um, versus if you do a total capsulectomy, um, that could uh, mean removing uh, the implant and then removing the capsule ap- after. Like What you usually do in that case would be to try to get around as much of the capsule as you can. And then, because um, sometimes it gets difficult with uh, larger implants when you're trying to get to the back side of it. Mm. to get the whole thing out as one. And so you kind of dissect around the capsule as much as you can. Then you make a hole and then take out the implant and then you finish taking out the capsule separately. So they come out as two pieces instead of one. And are there health implications of doing it one way versus the other? Um, It would be mainly for if you took them out separately and there was something in the capsule that whatever's in the capsule, say if there's, bacteria or silicone. Silicone's a, a big mess. Um, 
but then that can be exposed to, you know, the woman's body and what, mm. what's left behind. Okay. So just doing an M block, it just kind of guarantees that everything that's within the capsule and around the implant just kind of comes out as, as one and it's not left in um, the woman's body. So is your stance that, you know, whenever possible that a woman would do in block versus a capsulectomy or is it kind of on a case by case basis? I've, I have always done in block and um, kind of personal reasons. It's just basically that a lot of times silicone as it ages, it kind of loses its integrity, whether it's like a, um, whether the silicone shell is filled with saline or silicone, it gets really kind of tacky. And if there's a rupture, it, it's just a mess. And so for me, it's just easier to get around the whole thing and remove it as one rather than take a chance, open it up, and then you're dealing with a, a sticky mess. Mm-hmm. It makes things very slippery. Yeah. And so do you think that most plastic surgeons would agree with you on that? Or is there, is, are there differing opinions on, on which procedure is um, better or more preferential? Um, I would um, definitely if it's if you know there's not a rupture and there's um, you know and there's saline, I would think that most would tend to do a uh, like a total capsulectomy, mm-hmm. um, and even then sometimes part of the capsule is you know left on the ribs if it's if it's very thin or um, or if it'll be risky to remove it and. Um, risk um, exposure of like the lungs or heart that are underneath. Mm. Um, so, um, but doing a total capsulectomy is definitely a lot easier than an M block. Okay. Um, just because when you get rid of the, the big implant that's in your way, it makes it a lot easier to dissect out the um, capsule that's left behind. Sure. That makes sense. So, as a as a board certified plastic surgeon, and you know, you mentioned you've really seen this this rise in the term breast implant illness over the last year or so. Have you been seeing a rise in requests for the explant surgery um, over the last year and prior to that? And do you attribute that to breast implant illness, or do you think there are other reasons for that as well? Um, yeah, there's definitely been a huge rise, and I think it's just mainly patients talking to patients on social media or even just you know on a personal basis friends telling friends I get a lot of referrals from um, a lot from you know social media different Facebook groups but then also from just patients who have had a good experience after removing their implants and I I think people are just maybe more open you know Mm -hmm. and there's just a, a greater awareness yeah Yeah, definitely a huge rise. Does this movement change um, how you relate to to performing breast implants in the first place? And does it change like how often you you recommend them or not recommend them, but I suppose um, perform them based upon a patient's request? Yeah, I I mean, I still do. um, I still do a fair amount of breast augmentations. I would say I do more explant surgery than augmentation but I do um, now in my in you know 
helping patients to make an informed decision about whether or not breast implants are for them and warning them of, you know, different risks. You know, we always tell them, you know, there's a risk of you know, infection, bleeding, and um, capsular contracture. Um, with textured implants, there's a risk of ALCL, which is a type of lymphoma. But now I've included that, you know, for a certain population of women, that, that there's um, breast implant illness where they have autoimmune type symptoms that may develop. And now I include that as part of my um, um, informing patients about surgery. Oh, that's great. So, and I mean, yeah, I've, and I've even had one patient who um, I put her implants in and like post-op day one, she began um, having symptoms, which at the time I didn't like really realize, you know, but she had complained about vision issues. And I thought, wow. oh, it must have been anesthesia. You know, they, you know, maybe she got a little corneal abrasion. But then it went from eye pain to, you know, narrow peripheral vision to um, blurred vision to where she couldn't even read her cell phone, wow. you know, and then she went through these extensive workups for, you know, did she have a blood clot? Did she have a brain issue? Did she, you know, and, you know, it just, she has probably eight different doctors now, you know, and, uh, and her symptoms have developed, you know, she's gotten more and more and more and, and she's a year out and she said, I just don't feel like myself. And I found myself, it's probably about a month ago. I just said, have you ever heard of breast implant illness? Like I actually like said that and suggested it to a patient. And so wow. she's in the process of working through that. But that, that was my first patient of actually like saying, Hey, you might have this. And so. Yeah. And I think it's incredible how outspoken you are about advocating for your patient's health. Um, because obviously there's a fine line when you are a plastic surgeon and, and you know, that, your, your career and your lifeline is people coming in for plastic surgery and to all of a sudden be advocating for like, hey, there's actually a really big chance that this could cause some serious health issues and, and wanting to put your patient's health first is obviously seems like just a basic moral obligation, but I think that there are a lot of plastic surgeons out there who, who don't act in that way. And do you think that there's that that is kind of one of the reasons why there aren't more plastic surgeons advocating for their patient's health like that? Yeah, it's yeah, and I'm not I'm not sure, you know, why unless there's there's just more. Um, I mean, it is our goal to make people look better, you know. But I think it should be important to make them feel better as well, because yeah. you know, looking better does make you feel better. But um, I don't know, and I don't know if it's because I've just seen so many people that have gotten better that um, I take a different dance and. I don't know. Yeah. And this is something I'm, I'm unfamiliar with. Um, do you know of any other types of plastic surgery that can lead to autoimmune sy symptoms and conditions like breast implant illness? Or is that mm -hmm. the, the primary one that's been reported? I think that's just the primary one. I can't really, yeah, I don't really come up with any others, but um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 can't, I, I can't think of any other. I mean, I know, you know, I mean, people can wear jewelry and have a reaction to it. You know, yeah. Why do some people, why are they allergic to nickel and others aren't? Or, you know, and I kind of think the same, along the same lines as implants, you know. Yeah, everybody's, um, you know, biochemistry is so unique and we all react to things in, in such different ways, which is why it's so important to understand your own body and health and 
and notice when something's off and notice these kinds of symptoms so that you can advocate for yourself as well. Right. So just in your experience with, you know, working with more and more patients over the last year um, who have been experiencing these kinds of symptoms, is there anything else that you would want to share with women out there who either have breast implants, um, things to look out for, or women who are considering implants, like any, any general message along the lines of um, breast augmentation and, and breast implant illness? Um, I mean, I think it's always important to like do your homework in general before you do, you know, undergo any kind of surgery. Of course, um, making sure your surgeon's board certified is always step number one. Um, but yeah, just don't be afraid to ask the questions that are on your mind, and you know, your surgeon shouldn't have a problem with answering them. Um, but yeah, being well informed, I think, is is key. And I I usually tend to talk too much. I think to my I don't know. <laughs> I don't know I that that's a bad thing. It, <laughs> I always say, do you have any questions? You're like, no. Like, you answered more than I thought, of, I thought I had. They're like, I feel like an expert now. <laughs> yep. That's great. That's good. I mean, I want, I want them to, you know, be well-informed. And, I, and yeah. I don't want them to, um, um, I don't know. I just think knowledge is power. And, um, and if, you know, if they want to see Photos, that's always great. If they want to talk to, you know, patients that I've done, you know, I think that's that's great to put them in touch with one another. I have, you know, lots of patients from out of town that will will meet up with local patients when they come to town. Like I've had people travel from like Alaska and Montana and you know just other surrounding states, and it's kind of fun when they hook up with patients that are local. Mm. in my town and um you know they just kind of become friends and kind of help one another through the whole healing process and i don't know i think i've helped develop a lot of friendships so i think that's cool that's so great yeah building a sense of community is is so important and it's cool for women to be able to build a sense of community around a shared experience like this yes yeah they're so open and so um I don't know. Like, like you said, it's like we have this big family. So yeah, that's I amazing. So you kind of alluded to this a little bit already, but one other thing I wanted to ask you to, to share with everybody listening is um, if they are thinking about getting their, their implants removed, how to go about um, finding the right qualified surgeon for, for, the job. Um, and then if there's somebody who is in Washington or in the Spokane area or wants to travel to you, um, how they can find out more about you and your practice. Um, well, I would say, I mean, the best way if you're looking for someone in your area, just to go to the American Board of Plastic Surgeons website and um, they'll list, you know, the board certified surgeons in their area. Um, because there are I don't, I mean, even just my community, there's a lot of surgeons that put themselves out as cosmetic surgeons that aren't like board certified. And really, if you're, if you're doing an M block um, implant capsule removal, you really want to have someone board certified. Okay. You know, hopefully they don't run into any problems, but if they do, they more than definitely know how to deal with them. Um, and for me, I'm, I'm in Spokane. You know, 
uh, that was just Dr. Kai Morimoto. Um, is that what you mean? <laughs> yeah, sorry. yeah, amazing. And we'll be sure to, to link your information in um, in the show notes as well. So anybody who's listening yeah. who who might want to reach out to you um, to set up a consultation or, or inquire in general will be able to, to contact you. Um, and then we'll also link the um, the website where where you can check for board certified plastic surgeons as well. Yeah. Um, um, and another thing too, I was going to say, sometimes um, you know patients kind of get turned off a little bit when they when they go to a doctor like they they want explant surgery, but you know they then the doctor says, well maybe you know you need a lift, you need lipo, you need this and that. Mm-hmm. They don't. I just say don't don't feel pressured. Like you, I tell my patients like. Just you know, do what you you feel like. I mean, maybe um, you know, maybe at first after surgery, your, your breasts don't look like you want them. Maybe they're a little deflated and the skin stretched out. But things change over the course of a few months, and then you can always you can make a decision later to do you know further surgery. You don't have to do everything at once. You haven't burned yeah. any bridges by by waiting, and and oftentimes it's it's better to wait because. You, know, you have a better blood supply and things have had time to heal and you, you've had a chance to see like, wow, I, gosh, I have a lot of tissue left. I, I don't even know if I want to be this big, you know, maybe I want a little a reduction or a lift or, or just lipo or, but, but yeah, a lot of patients come in just turned off because they had seen someone and, you know, they, they try to, um, you know, tell them that they needed, you know, a lot of extra surgery that, you know, maybe they will need, but maybe they won't. And you just need to, Stay focused on, on what their goal is for, you know, seeking out a plastic surgeon. Yeah, I mean, it's such a vulnerable thing. It's so important to find somebody who you feel like is is really listening to you and honoring what it is that you want. Right. Yeah, and I've, yeah, it's kind of interesting the different things I've I've heard from you know patients and even other physicians about. Um, I think there's a I think there are some people out there that are taking advantage of women with breast implant illness just because, um, you know, that, that some women, you know, they become very, very desperate and they'll just do, you know, whatever someone suggests in, in, um, you know, in one instance, I had heard that they put them on this, you know, some special soup diet or, you know, for detoxifying and, and recommend all these, you know, herbal things. And, you know, and then it ends up costing like over $30,000. And wow. I mean, it's just, it's just, yeah, it just, it kind of, it just makes me sick that people would, I don't know, just kind of prey on um, patients with breast implant illness. And so, yeah, I think, though, know, if they, if they do their research and their homework and, you know, talk to other patients and go to the, to the, you know, the board website, you know, they should, they should be able to steer clear of a lot of that. Yeah, that is, that's a great point to call out and in, in, you know, any area of, of seeking expert or professional help is just do your research because unfortunately you're right. There are people out there who, who are wanting to take advantage of somebody's um, circumstances and the, the desperation that can come along with not feeling well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but. um, Yeah. But thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I'm sorry. I have a little passionate about that. Oh no! I'm glad that you are. There needs to be more, more people, more doctors like you. No, it just makes you angry, you know, 
take advantage of people's vulnerability. So. Yeah. It's yeah. Thanks for letting me get that out there. <laughs> of course. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and you actually, you, you brought up a great point as well. Can you share really briefly about like if, if a woman decides to go through with um, the explant surgery, what she can expect oh, in the coming, you know, weeks and months and year post-op? Because that's, um, that is one question that I've gotten from a lot of women who are considering surgery. Like, what was the process like for you afterwards? Did you, did you bounce back to normal? Like, what did it look like? What did it feel like? And, and all of that, I think, is a big concern. <laughs> Yeah, and, and sometimes it can be a little shocking, which is, you know, why photos are great. Um, but when you think about the implants, it's been expanding your, your tissues, you know, at least your, your skin, your muscle, um, any breast tissue you have. So once you take out the implant and the capsule, things look a little um, droopy at first. Um, but then depending on the patient's elasticity, you know, someone who has stretch marks, their elasticity is not as good as someone who doesn't. And so they tend to snap back a lot quicker. But it takes time for the, the tissue to snap back. And then for the inside tissues, um, you know, they've been um, sometimes hard to say in, like, words. I can, like, I can, like, I can physically, like, show you. But, you know, kind of the implant kind of squishes out um, breast tissue and, and the muscle. And then when you take it out, it kind of re-expands a little bit. I think they call it fluffing, but, okay. but all that takes, you know, I tell people, give it, give it a good four to six months. If somebody yeah. clearly needs a lift, you know, if their nipples are staring at the ground with implants in, you know, they're, they're obviously going to need a lift, but even for them, just if, if they're patient and can wait the four to six months um, to see what their body's going to do, um, you know, why not? It may result in a, in a smaller scar or, you know, decrease surgery time. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so usually patients, you know, there's a little bit of discomfort after surgery. Um, I usually, I use drains for some reason, drains in, um, breast implant illness patients, they stay in a little bit longer than mm -hmm. for someone who doesn't have symptoms and say they found out on a mammogram that they had um, a ruptured implant and I take it out and block the person that didn't have symptoms versus one that does, um, their drains may stay in for like a week versus two to three weeks. Oh, so wow. Okay. That's a big difference. Yeah, it is. And patients hate the drains. And I just try to remind yeah. them that, you know, just think about all the fluid that's coming out of those drains every day. That could be, you know, that could be in your, stuck in your body. At least it's coming out. Yeah. Oh, that's um, a great, a great thing to stay aware of because, as, having been a patient myself, they are really uncomfortable, and I was not prepared for for how much they would really hurt and kind of how gross they are too. But that's true when you're thinking about like getting all of that um, fluid and toxicity out of your body. It's so important to be patient with that. Exactly. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's what patients dislike the most about the whole thing is the drain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not great, but it's temporary and it passes and it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. See, now it's just a distant memory, right? Yeah. Oh, totally. You forget about it until somebody <laughs> reminds you like, oh, yeah, that kind of sucked. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yeah, yeah I think so. you're absolutely right. I think that being patient throughout that process is so key and not expecting that, you know, after one week, your body is going to bounce, bounce right back and really give it time. Yeah. Yeah, it does take time, but it's kind of cool. Each I try to have patients 
write out all their symptoms before they see me and then just keep track, you know, when I see them for their drains at like a week or two, you know, you know, what symptoms are still there, what has gone away or what's minimized. And then I'll see them usually at about three to four weeks and then about eight weeks and, you know, just over time because keeping track of it, and I think it's important because you forget, you know, yeah. you forget that your rings didn't, you know, didn't fit or your, your left knee was sore or you had this rash on your, you know, shoulder, whatever, you know, it is kind of cool. And then they can see, oh my gosh, I am, I am getting better. Yeah, that's true. And then you have that record that if you want to, you can share with other women as well. Like this is what I was experiencing and, and this is what got better from removing the implants. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I, I get excited every time I see them and, and some patients, I mean, you get to see it in their face. They just, they just look so alive and I don't know. And it's, it's weird to explain, but I, yeah. I've had patients where like one lady, I didn't even recognize her. I was thinking, gosh, she looks so fresh and happy them and you know I was, I was busy seeing other patients it's just some waiting room and I was, my brain was kind of like categorized like how do I know how do I know I'm thinking is it a tummy tuck was it a, you know, an augmentation or something like that and then finally when she went in the room I was face to face with her I was like oh my gosh like it breast implant illness I took your implants out and she just looked phenomenal wow like and yeah. that was just in three weeks that's amazing. And you're so right. That's one thing that I've seen in common a lot with before and after photos of women um, who've gotten their implants removed, um, especially when they had breast implant illness, that there's just this glow about them and their like their skin looks healthier, their smile looks brighter, their eyes look brighter. Like you're right. They they really do look like mm-hmm. different people. <laughs> they do. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Amazing when the body starts working again like it's supposed to. What what can happen? Yeah, it, it it is. It's incredible. So, well, thank you. For I I totally that. believe that you know removing the implants from capsules will uh, help so many women. So. Yeah, thank you for the work that you do. It's so important. So, oh, this being a, a a wellness podcast, the last question that I love to ask all my guests who come on is, um, do you have one wellness habit or practice that, that you swear by in your life or can't live without? It can be anything from, you know, uh, a food practice or meditation or, you know, movement and anything at all that helps you feel balanced and well. Um, exercise. For me. Yeah. It's a, it's a stress relief. I usually work out um, two hours a day at least four days a week. Wow, that's but, great. What what do you like to do for your workouts? Um, I do, um, well, it's it's a, a class. I do a class that lasts about 45 minutes called uh, Strength and Muscle. So it's an S&M class. Uh, basically, it, uh, <laughs> and it's, it's kind of funny because it is like torture. It's tra- <laughs> the trainers are Nazi. So when she called it, you know, S&M, I was like, huh. Like, that's strength and muscle right. building. Yeah. yeah. And then that, once I'm done with that, then I do like an hour, hour, 15 minutes of um, just personal one-on-one um, weight training, which are, so it's kind of like a bit cardio weight. Uh, a good way to wake up in the morning before the office. Oh yeah. Such an endorphin rush. Wait, yeah. It's always easy to start at six, but if I don't do that, then I kind of start the day off kind of foggy. So it's best to get that in. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. 
but I do, I mean, I, I need to be a better person and make more time for, you know, meditation and, um, getting my water in and things like that, but, but for sure exercise. Yeah. And I was just talking about this the other day. Like it's, it's hard to fit it all in and there's so much pressure to feel like we have to do everything under the sun when it comes to taking care of ourselves. And sometimes it's really just about being consistent with like one or two things and, and whether that's your workouts or whatever it is that helps you feel the best. Um, just doing that one thing can make all the difference. You don't have to do all 50 things. Right. Yeah. I know it's, so hard. It's yeah. we have you know, so many different hats to wear too, you know. Yeah, and we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. We do, and, well. yeah. But that that is a great start. So Shane, thank you for sharing that, and thank you again for for coming on and sharing about um, your your practice and your experience um, as an expert dealing with breast implant illness. I think that this is going to be so important for so many women listening to to hear. Um, so I just, I thank you for your time. And again, we'll link your information. So if anybody wants to reach out or has questions that that they can follow up with you. Oh yeah. And my office staff is always happy to answer questions as well. So amazing call. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Morimoto. And thank you to everybody listening. Um, as always, subscribe for updates um, at empowered-bodies.com um, so you can learn more about upcoming episodes and the rest of this series with breast implant illness and breast implant removal. And um, be sure to subscribe for updates, rate and review the podcast, share with friends who might benefit from hearing this. And until next time, have a happy and healthy day. 